Welcome to the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. This is Brian Strauser, still the chief bottle washer here at Brightpath. This is Bray Wheeler, still senior consultant and apparently still not bottle washer here at Brightpath. Uh, this is episode 174, and we're coming up on the end of this calendar year. Um, and I think there's a lot of uncertainty about the economy. We have some folks say we're in a recession. We have some folks who are saying we're definitely not in a recession. We're seeing, I think all year, we've seen a realignment of the coming out of the pandemic, if that's what we are. We've seen this realignment of the relationship between the employer and employees. Yep. And now we're seeing as we're heading into the next year of 2023, we're starting to see layoffs, reductions in force, downsizing of real estate footprints and cutting back on budgets. There's been a lot of that announced just in the last 24 or 48 hours here as we're recording this episode yeah. in, in early November. So I thought, you know, I thought what might be interesting to talk about is as business continuity and crisis management, crisis comms professionals, resiliency professionals, you're probably already in your budget season if you haven't already worked on your budget for next year. And so I thought we could talk a little bit, Bray, about how are we thinking about next year? And what do we think resiliency professionals need to be thinking about when it comes to their program? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely it's definitely a different way of, sort of viewing, you know, the planning cycle in particular, because sort of during the height of COVID or, you know, over the last two and a half years, there's been a lot of emphasis on business continuity and crisis management and resiliency planning and sort of all the things that go in there because the nature of the pandemic and, you know, whether or not your organization had that those capabilities or not. Now there's sort of a kind of a shift, not necessarily away from it, but just a, a totality shift in in business, in the economics of everything. How do you sort of make your programs now resilient a little bit to what the next year sort of looks like and kind of wait to see what 2024 might look like? So one thing that we've, <clears throat> one thing that you've undoubtedly heard us talk about before and is something that you need to think about before we can get into the exercise we want to talk through Yeah, is that your business continuity crisis management resiliency program, you have to make sure that that program is aligned to your organization's strategies. You have to be in line. And by, by in line, I mean that you have an understanding of what your organization is trying to accomplish this year, next year, five years from now. So your company's mission, vision, strategic goals and objectives, however your company talks and communicates about that. Or the things that we're gonna uh, that we're about to talk about aren't gonna work. So it you have to start there. You have to think about where's my company going and what is the role for resiliency in helping the company achieve those goals. And if you've set up these capabilities or these program your programs correctly, that is a that's already a factor. So now it's just a matter of adapting what you've already done and what you've sort of already built upon and adjusting it. And if you haven't done that, that is a, I, I was nodding profusely as you were talking, Brian, like that is a must do action uh, before you can really do anything, really do anything else. I mean, even if you're thinking about just maturing the program and this isn't an exercise, you know, that the exercise we're about to talk about, if it's not something that you even need to do, 
you still have to get that alignment set. Like that is, mm-hmm. that is fundamental basics. So once we have that in place, and that that could be the con a long, hour long podcast conversation. Yes. Here's the framework that we've been using with clients, thinking about next year, and a lot of our clients have come to us and said. I'm being challenged, as everyone at my company is, to cut our expenses by X percent. Pick a number. I've heard numbers as low as three and four, and I've heard numbers as high as 20 to 30. How do you recommend I do that from a business continuity, crisis management, crisis comps perspective? And in each of those, we really come back with four buckets. Yeah. And in, in most cases, we've been able to work with our clients to lay out, lay this out on one piece of paper. yeah. And the way the buckets that we use, and we'll talk through these. The first one is your core program. What do you have to do by policy? You should make sure your policy is good and properly aligned. But what do you, what, what do you have to do from a policy perspective that also satisfies your audit, compliance, regulatory certification, a government regulation requirements for your program. Those are the things that you have to do. That's your core program. That's how we think about that. The second category, and we'll go back through this. Yeah. The second category are components that you think are value added. They are worth the investment to keep doing. They're worth the investment because they return a value to the organization that enhances your resiliency in a meaningful way. And you don't want to give those up. You're going to protect these. Potentially profitable way. Yeah. They may even create you know some profit for the organization. The third category, and it, so category three and four are the ones that you really need to pay attention to. Category three, the third bucket here, is simplify. This is where you need to set aside the way that you have done some things in the past and think about how you can simplify this for the coming year. And then lastly, my favorite bucket, <laughs> cut or stop. What are the things that you're doing that are not part of your core program, they're not value added, you can't simplify them in a way where it makes sense to keep doing them, and it's time to let them go. Yep. So th- we've used this framework, It just we're, I'm serious in that way. it's nothing more than four columns on one PowerPoint slide, and we've laid out the program components in that way, and this has worked really successfully for our clients to explain what they're doing to respond to the budgetary and expense challenges. And honestly, you should be doing this every year anyway, even if you we weren't in the economic situation that we are. Yeah, and I think the, the way that, we, sort of tooting our own horn here, but the way that we've sort of framed these up, I think, you know, Initially, when we were having these conversations on how to approach this with different clients who were asking for it, you know, we were sort of laying this out and it felt sort of like the more traditional, like start, stop, continue sort of exercises and things like that. But then we really got to a point in the conversation of that doesn't really, one, it doesn't work and it feels like business jargon. This really feels more narrative, but also more action orientated to what it is that you're trying to accomplish and really allows you to look at your programs holistically and understand what each component 
does for you or does not do for you. Mm-hmm. You know, to your point, Brian, where it just as important as core is the things that, nope, doesn't add value anymore or needs to be owned somewhere else in the organization. And so maybe you stop doing it, but someone else needs to pick it up. And so you're kind of shifting yep. maybe some of the budgetary or you know compliance requirements to somewhere else, but that's what makes sense mm-hmm. in looking at your own program and your own budget and your own slice of the organization mm-hmm. and what you're doing for it. So let's let's walk through these in a little more detail. Yeah. So the first bucket is the core program. What are the things that you have to do because they are required by policy? And we're assuming here that you've taken a look at your policy and revised it appropriately given the challenges in front of your company. But what's required by policy? What's required from a audit or compliance or certification, regulatory compliance, government regulation? What are those things you got to do? You still have got to manage or your project or program, and that's got some overhead about you know, metrics and meetings and things that you've got to do, governance meetings, for example. These are all things that you probably have to do. So big parts of this from a crisis or BC standpoint might be your business continuity life cycle. I still got to create and update plans. Um, I probably still have to do BIAs. Yep. Maybe depending on your business, you could do, you could switch your PIAs to every two years instead of every year. Um, so that might be more of a simplification yep. thing. You've still got to update plans. You still got to update your crisis plans. You got to make sure all that stuff is still current. It's still applicable. It's up to date. Those are table stakes. That's how you really have to think about this bucket. It's the non-negotiable necessary items within that program. You can't, the motor has to run and the vehicle has to get somewhere. So you need the motor, you need the steering wheel, and you need the tires. Probably need the brakes. But my, my car works just fine. I drive a Chevy. You've got the Ford sitting out in the parking lot. I do. Mine's fine. <laughs> Minus a little rust <clears throat> here and there. The, uh, I mean, maybe there's exercises that you have to do yep. from a requirement uh, policy compliance standpoint. And then there's your, your regulatory frameworks you may have to follow. If you're, you know... Um, you know, maybe you uh, deal with medical information, so you're high trust certified, and this is your year to recertify. 2023 is the year you have to recertify. You can't escape that without giving it up, and your company is not going to want to give that up. No. So you, you have to do the work to produce the evidence and go through the audit process to comply with those controls. So when we talk about your core program, it really is, it's the table stakes. It's the things that you that you must do. And these are the things that you're not gonna cut. You might find some ways to simplify them or do them differently, but you're not getting rid of them. You can't get rid of them. Your next step is, the next bucket again, is the value added components. So what are the things that you're doing that you believe and your stakeholders believe add value to the organization? That last part is key. Yeah, don't make it just about you. What do your stakeholders think? Getting their buy-in, engaging them as a part of this conversation is huge to not only the success of the program, but just to demonstrate the value to the organization mm-hmm. and to have broader conversations even beyond you know this sort of exercise. You've, you've allowed that conversation to happen in this forum, but really now that's a... That's a narrative you can use beyond budget 
conversations. So one of the things we think about here is that for almost every company, it makes sense. It's a value-added effort to have your crisis management team get together on a monthly or quarterly basis or every other month basis. You got to figure out the cadence for your organization. But there's value in having them converse and talk about recent incidents, learn something new, continue to be used used to working together and collaborating on issues and practicing exercises, drills. You don't have to make this overly complicated, but an hour every month, an hour every other month, an hour once a quarter, these are valuable things that build muscle memory with those teams. I think the dark side of you know that particular value add is heading into uncertain times there are inevitable transitions of folks and transitions of portions of the the organization these moments allow you to build that resiliency either through bringing backups up to speed or new members up to speed or shifting the way that you work as a group based on the changes within the organization. So your cross-functional collaboration might look different, might need to look different. Having these as sort of planted moments throughout the year allows you to better understand the organization as it shifts and evolves, particularly if, you know, 2023 is, you know, as turbulent as everyone thinks it might be. You know, it's a good opportunity to, to bring everybody back together. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that add value. I think that this is an area where you have to be willing to take a really hard look when you get past your core program and you start thinking about what's value added. Be judicious in deciding that things aren't. Yes. What are you, what do you think doesn't add value and be willing to put that in one of the other buckets? Or is there something that you think is value added, but you could approach it differently and then you can simplify and you can put it in that bucket. Or it's a, it's a space of the program that has already been recognized as needing a change Mm -hmm. or an upgrade, an upgrade, or you want to do something different in, but you see the eventual value in it. Now you have the opportunity to make, to make that change saying, well, we need to do something different here in order to get the value and you end up sort of driving that component where you wanted it to go in the first place and you've used this moment as the catalyst to do so. So there's potential opportunity as well, but to your point, Brian, this is where you really have to take a hard look and And be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself, be honest with your partners, really challenge the thought process here to understand does it fit here or does it fit somewhere else? Mm-hmm. There's a, uh, if you find yourself saying, well, we've always done that. We've always done it that way. Those things are sacred cows and they're, they are the best burgers to put on the grill. When you find yep. yourself saying that it's a good time to take a good hard look at what you're talking about and see if you can do it differently or stop doing it. Because the last thing we should do is keep doing something because we've always done it. There are no, aside from the non-negotiable necessary items, there are, I love that, there are no sacred cows yeah. in this exercise. There's a great book, Sacred Cows Make the Best Burgers. 
highly recommend back from my innovation days. Okay, our third bucket here is simplify. And this is the out this is part of what we were just talking about. What what could we take here and do differently? And I would really encourage you to think about this in some unique ways. So one example of this that we worked on with a client is, you know, like over our six years of of work together, we've devised dozens of exercise scenarios that we have used on a small and large scale. Why create a new exercise scenario for 2023? That takes dozens of hours of time to put together. Why can't we just pull one from the library that we've used four or five years ago and use that again? Yeah. Make little updates, make little tweaks, <clears throat> give some different dynamics. That's easy. You, everything is already laid out for you. What about articles? Maybe you've got a library of awareness articles. Don't write new ones. No. Take your old ones, review it for minor updates that are needed, use it again. Yeah. You've had changes in personnel. You've It's changed since four years ago. Plus... There's nothing wrong with reminding folks about different. Plus, I don't remember what I had different for ideas. I don't remember what I had for dinner last night. So. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I, I would really encourage you to think about: Are there things that you've been doing in business continuity, crisis management, crisis communications that you could simplify, that you could do and approach differently? Are there things you can automate, or are there things you can outsource or subscribe to? Are there things that you can? enable better through technology that you've been doing manually. Can you get a BC tool and, and reduce the time required to build a BC plan from 12 hours to two? Those are all things that Worth might make wise investments. Yep. Right. Well, and it, and I think some of the things that have even popped up that have come into, you know, this bucket in particular is really on the, you know, sort of the business side of the programs and things like that. So, you know, how are you cost saving on the way that you process invoices or the way that you go out sourcing or where you're finding your information from? So are there better information sources that cut the cost down and you essentially get the same information, you know, all those things that you can sort of simplify on, on that end too, makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, lowering that percentage threshold that you don't have to give up anything, you know, Mm -hmm. within the program itself. Mm -hmm. You can do it sort of on the periphery. Mm -hmm. And if there are things you're going to give up as a part of simplification, give up the things that don't add value. Yeah. As you simplify it. As you get rid of some of that stuff. I mean, I, I think a good example of this, there's a, a client we brought on board this year for business continuity as a service. So we this is where we're running their BC program for them. Uh, we spent a, a whole month earlier this year taking a good hard look at the data they were capturing in their BC plan and their BIA as we were transitioning them to a tool because the tool is more productive. That good hard look at data led us to say, here's a whole bunch of stuff that are being captured today that we just don't need. Yep. We just don't need it. They were capturing a ton of real estate data, for example, about alternate workspace and where's the alternate workspace and what exact desk configuration do they need. And you know what? There's about three teams in that entire company that actually need an alternate physical site to do their work. Yep. Because everybody else 
can go home because they did it during COVID. In fact, they're still there. Yep. So you have to be willing to think about this process differently. We probably trimmed a third of, I I don't know, we didn't really measure this, but we probably trimmed at least a third of the required time to build out BIAs and BC plans at this client by getting rid of information that we just didn't need to capture anymore. Oh yeah, I mean, overall we streamlined that, but just in that, just in that requirement gathering alone, it was probably a a third of the time and resource. Yeah. So the last bucket here is just is my favorite. It's just what are we going to stop? What are we going to cut? And I think every one of these conversations, as we were helping clients with this this year, I think every one of these conversations started with, "Well, we can't stop anything," and I'm like, "Oh, bullshit! Not true." You challenge me often on being aggressive and sort of unforgiving in what can you stop doing? Yeah. What can you I'm not gonna do, do differently? Anymore. You know, I'm not going to do these things anymore. That's personal challenge to me. But so I think to your point when everybody's like, well, no, I can't. No, you can. There, there's plenty once so what, you dig into it. What doesn't add value? So I don't have a good BC or DR uh, or... Uh, crisis example of this but i'll just i have a simple one with this podcast a while ago we decided that we weren't going to include the music and the intro at the beginning and the outro at the end of our podcast episodes because honestly none of you were coming here to listen to the intro to the podcast and the outro music and the credits you already knew it was the bright path and where to find our website you knew how to get a hold of us if it's something you wanted to do I still don't understand that. I mean, the music was incredible. Well, the music I mean, was it set, great. It set such a good tone. No. Oh, I, mean, I thought it, you were serious for a minute. No, no. <laughs> I was being entirely sarcastic. But we, but, but, it, but you know right. what? It was the part of the, but when it comes, because I edit the podcast, the, the, the process of editing the podcast, which I edited for a while, and then I was paying a service to edit the podcast, and you know I didn't like the expense, and that's really what they were doing. Right. Was, was splicing that together because I didn't like to do it. You were paying to add the 10 minutes to make sure that the intro and outro three minutes music was yeah. aligned. So we just got rid of it. We didn't tell you. We just did it. Yep. But, you know, I, I was inspired by that by listening to another podcast, um, The Business of Authority, Jonathan Stark and Rochelle Moulton, which is a great podcast. A great podcast. And, you know, they were talking about their own podcast. Somebody had asked them about their podcast flow, and they were talking about how they go about the podcast. And, Rochelle asked Jonathan, who kind of manages the podcast, what do you, what about editing? And he's like, we don't do any editing. I mean, every once in a while we really screw up and we'll clip something out. But he's like, I don't do any editing. I don't add in any music or anything at the beginning or end. We just, the podcast starts when we start talking and it ends when we're done. Hit record, hit stop. And he goes, and he was like, nobody comes to your podcast to listen to that stuff. And I'm like, oh, I'm totally going to do this because it, it didn't add value. And it didn't no. make any sense to do. And does it sound better? Well, I mean, maybe. Does it sound more professional? I don't know. It I don't hasn't. Know if, it, I don't know if it does. I think if you're doing something like a music centric podcast or something that has audio or yeah. you know, audio as a focus or narrative as a focus or something like that, yeah, sure. But find. So our message here is find the stuff that just doesn't add value that you don't need to be doing, and just get rid of it. Well, and it, it gets back to an earlier point I made around this piece too. And it, it might be something that has value to the organization, 
but does not have value to your team or is not a core component or process your team needs to own, having those conversations, identifying it, making the case, and then identifying the right parts of the organization to put it in is also value added in this exercise. It takes it off your yep. budget yep. and your plate. And but Who should own it? Make it move. Yep. Because you can't do it anymore. So we share all of this. Uh, one, we want to give you, you know, a tool that has worked well for us. But past all of that, here's the leadership message at all of this. We talked a little bit about alignment at the beginning. So now let's just talk about the hard choices you got to make as a leader. Yep. If you've been challenged, if the organization has been challenged to reduce expense or to take a hard look at things we're doing and figuring out how we should do things differently, you are the subject matter expert. You are the leader of the function in your organization and nobody there above you knows more about this than you do. Correct. You have to be the one to look hard at your program and say, here's how I want to evolve in the years to come to be more productive, to be more aligned, to reduce expense if that's the challenge. Because if you don't drive that, somebody who doesn't understand resilience and just thinks you're being reluctant to make decisions is going to make those decisions for you. And they and you will are, not feel good. They will not feel good and they will be the wrong decisions. So it has to come from you. My story, my personal story about this is a while back in the last recession, you were referencing 05, 06, 07, I was the head of innovation for a retailer on the security team. And one of the things that we saw coming, because we were running the project, was the rise of network-based video and the ability to look at video remotely as opposed to having to be at the site where the security video was. And it, as we were developing the technology and piloting the technology, my boss and I had a conversation one day that went along these lines. Brian, if I can watch that video from anywhere, what do I actually need in a retail store from a security standpoint? And couldn't I do this differently with a different staffing model? And it wasn't that we were trying to, we weren't, we didn't go into that conversation thinking about reducing headcount or reducing expense. It was, does this way we've done retail loss prevention for since the initial VCR and video camera, is it going to be different? because of this technology implementation that we're gonna do because of how technology could change the name of the game. And if that's true, how do we structure ourselves to do this differently? What does that mean for us? And what does it mean about our future talent? Yep. And that question consumed the next year and a half for me and my team and others that were a part of this conversation. I was just one player among many that worked on aspects of that. And my team did the heavy lifting on a lot of the figuring out what should we do. At the end of the day, right before the economy took a crap in 08, 09, we made our own change. We drove the change. We, the security organization, yep. said, we're gonna centralize investigations. We're gonna go to an intelligence-led model in the field. We're gonna reduce the amount of resources that are assigned to individual stores. We're gonna have more flexible-based intelligence teams that go where the data tells them. And a lot of these investigations are going to be centralized and done through remote video because we don't need to do them in the store. Yep. And it completely changed how we thought of investigations, how we thought of a staffing model, 
wound up needing less resources, but we had more effective resources because this had all reinvented the way we do things. It affected the way that other aspects of the organization looked at Mm -hmm. things from merchandising, but then also Mm -hmm. coming from the field store to centralized crisis management for that same organization. Yeah. It innovated the way that we responded to things. Yes. And did our incident crisis management. Mm -hmm. What? There's an active shooter in a store? I can see that right now. Yep. We're watching it right now. So the message here is, as a leader, make the change yourself. Push that strategic change through. Take a good hard look at your organization and don't be afraid to cut, to simplify, to determine what's really value added and then protect your core program. Drive your car to bring back my earlier metaphor. That's it for this edition of the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Be well.